promise you what? Never again. But I also know that you know what a weak-willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Hello, and welcome back to the Treadweary Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Carlton Smee, and this is the audio arm of Treadweary.com, a place which we gather around the scripture, around the word of God, and we're looking for what it is that God has done for us versus what we always think we need to do for him. We're always trying to see the work of Christ for us. We're trying to see what it is that 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 Christ is actively doing as we are the passive recipients of his gift. Treadweary comes out of that, being weary of being on a treadmill of sorts, of continually uh, trying to do the best we can to make God happy, to please God, to to deserve righteousness or deserve uh, some sort of, of blessing or salvation. And instead, God comes to us and he gifts to us himself in Jesus Christ. And so we give thanks to God for that work that he is doing uh, on our behalf in Jesus. And right now, what we have been doing is we've been going through the Gospel of John, and we are up to John chapter 12, which is sort of the the end of the uh, first part of John, where a lot is done to call on us to trust in Christ. And then the second half, which starts with, or it's not really half, but with, with John 13 is the all the discussion of what it is that Christ is going to be doing for us, where we uh, culminate with the crucifixion and the resurrection and all those things. But what uh, it, it's sort of this, this picture of trusting in Christ for everlasting life, and then this picture of the abundant life given to us in Jesus. And so uh, we will be getting close to finishing up John chapter 12 today. We have a couple of long passages that we'll be doing, and, and so we'll have a couple of weeks here of finishing up John 12, and then we'll get into John 13. But uh, I'll be reading from John chapter 12, beginning at verse 20. So why don't you go ahead and get your Bible out, and you can read with me. I have switched back to using the New International Version. It's the one that I, I grew up with, was was raised with, and a few years ago, my wife bought me a uh, almost exact replica uh, for my birthday of the Bible I had that when I was in high school that actually got uh, stolen out of my car my senior year. So I always pray that maybe that individual read it. But anyways, let's let's begin John chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 20, and we will be reading to verse 36. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who is from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we, should, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, Andrew and Philip in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever, so how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do ask that we would like to see Jesus. Please open your word that we might see him, know him, love him, serve him, and in so doing would die and be raised by him. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this is an interesting sort of interlude. We just got done last week with talking about the triumphal entry, the, the Palm Sunday reading, the, the Jesus coming in on a donkey and people waving branches and, and, and all of that stuff. And, and this, this discussion is coming at the end of that, and it's basically right in the middle of Passover festival, the, the, one of the biggest festivals in all of Jewish faith, all of Jewish religion at that time. And so it says here that some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. And it was very, it's very pointed to say that it, it's, it's Hellenes, it's, it's not Gentiles, but it's Greek-speaking people. And, and some people say that these are Greek-speaking Jews or, or Hellenist Jews, that that could be the case. But there are others that say, no, these were actually Greeks who have come to Judaism. They, they have come to worship the one true God, and they want to see Jesus, but they can't, because the nations, those who were not Jewish, uh, would, would be able to worship, but they, weren't, they would be in sort of an outer court. They were not allowed into uh, the, the court of men, if you want to call it that. They were not allowed into the same place that, that Jews were able to go in the temple area. And so they're asking Philip, who, whose name is Greek, and so you wonder if he was a Greek-speaking Jew or, uh, or, or whatnot, uh, if they could see Jesus. So Jesus is having to come to them. So these are people that are asking for Christ. They're, they're asking to be able to see him. They've heard something of this man, Jesus. They knew something about him. They heard something. They wanted to see him. It, it's, it's a picture of, of how our life should be in some respects. 
that, that every time we approach the scriptures, we should be praying, God, I want to see Jesus. Every time we enter into our church worship service, we should be, be thinking, I want to see Jesus today. I want to be drawn to him. I want, I want to hear his story. I want to hear his voice. I want his word to do his work. And, and I want to be, to be gathered together by him in his good news, in his gospel, because he is the one that I'm seeking, and he is the one that has drawn me by the Holy Spirit, been drawn to Christ. Meaning that, that, that I hear the message of Christ, and I need him. So Christ is in the temple. And the interesting thing, and I, and I heard a sermon by a gentleman just the other day on this. Oh, well, just the other day, he, I think he gave the sermon back in like the 80s. It was a, a Scottish uh, preacher named William Still. But uh, he, he made the point of saying that Jesus actually says no here. When the request comes to him, we want to see Jesus. And Jesus basically says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Why? Why does he, 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 he do that? Well, right now, in John 12, we have a crossless Christ. We have Jesus, who has not gone to the place that he is supposed to be found. There in the cross, in the tomb, in the resurrection. There, there's no Christ without a cross. There's no Jesus without death. There's, there's, no, there's no Savior without the, the resurrection. And so Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, it says. For, for him to be exalted, for, for, for thing to, things to, to be uh, completed in, in his, he, he is going to be celebrated. And then he uses this interesting picture for us, right? This picture of, of uh, a seed bearing fruit. Well, he says right then, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds and and commentators waffle back and forth on on who Jesus is talking about he could be talking about individual people because he one of the big issues that Jesus brings to us is death and resurrection all the time life coming from death we can see it in our nature we can see it in creation that life comes from death. The, and, and here he makes that point, a seed going into the ground and it dies, but it produces much fruit. And he's talking in some ways about himself, about his death. But at the same time, though, then he starts talking about anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. There's this, this issue, this, this difficulty of, of how often we cling to the old. We want things to be normal. We don't want the interruptions or the disruptions. How, how, how much has that been put in your face today, church, in, in the middle of, of the pandemic and, and the racial struggles we're having in our country and everything else? How much that this question of wanting things to, to stay the same, wanting the normal, wanting the, 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 the things that we want to stay the way that they always have been, and yet Jesus' message to us is that status quo is not the way for me. That here he says, those who, who, who 
love their life will lose it. The, the, the very thing that becomes our talisman, the very thing that becomes our idol, we will lose. We, we are to be robbed of that. But then we are gifted something else in its place, right? Death to life. Resurrection after death. Being reborn, being, being made anew. Losing ourselves in Christ and gaining Christ in us is this picture, this transition, this, this trading. Well, then it says, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. That, that serves and that servant both play off that word diakonos, the, the deacon, the, the table servant, the one who serves tables. Well, here he, he, he's talking about this, this always being present with him. It, he being present there and our service being for his sake. Not for our own, not for the sake of, of someone else. That's the, that's the interesting thing with this, with this word deacon and diakoneo. The, 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 the verb is it's service for service sake. And so it's this picture of us serving Christ wherever he takes us for the sake of serving Christ. Not for the sake of us getting something out, out of it. Not for the sake of it, it guaranteeing us something. But for us to be serving him only for the sake that he's Jesus. And it's what he's given to you that gives us the reason. This, this gift of life everlasting outside of anything that anyone might do to us or say about us. And here he even, he even explodes it even more that he says, Where I am, my servant servant also will be, that wherever Christ goes, he takes us with him, that there's no place that we are that Christ is not present there in our midst. It's a beautiful picture, church. It's beautiful. It's wonderful that this notion of in our service there Christ is, is, is with us, and, and any time we are serving for the sake of serving, it is Christ that is the center of it all. Well, now he gets done with this, and, and he, he comes back to his reason for coming, his reason for existence, the, the reason why he was present in the world. He says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this reason I came to this hour. The, the reason why I am here is because you all are going to condemn me. You're going to despise what I have to say because I am calling for you to die and to be raised anew by God, by his spirit breathed into you, by, by this, this gospel good news that is proclaimed to you that, that nothing in your religiosity, no festival is going to make you better or, or more worthy for God. What is is going to be a death that I will die to redeem you. And that is the reason why I have, I have come to you, he's saying. And then he, he asks the Father to, to make sure that his name is glorified in this. And he's saying, glorify God's name. He doesn't say any other name. He says, Father, 
glorify your name. He doesn't even ask for his own name, Jesus, to be glorified. He's asking that the Father's name will be glorified. And as soon as he says this, the heavens are opened up and a voice speaks, just as it did at his baptism, where it it proclaimed that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And when it did from the cloud at the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. Now it says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. That, that God's name was glorified all throughout the history of his working in the midst of the Jewish people as well as in our midst. And it was glorified even more with the Christ coming into the world. And now it will be glorified again in the cross, in a death, in a non-glorious way. His name is going to be glorified and then Jesus has to say that this voice that was speaking was not for Jesus. It was actually for the people to hear. And he says, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. There, in this glorifying of God's name, he is going to lose his life, his death as a calling that 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 eternity might be dished out as fruit, as gift to you. And that in that fruit, in that gift, in that work, it's going to be a work to gather all people to him. That when he is lifted up, he is going to gather all of creation to himself. This voice of God comes to preach to you. And he says, what, what, does not look glorious, shall be the cross. And that cross is going to be this lifting up thing. We always, we always second guess the cross. We always second guess the crucified life. We have no problem wearing it, his earrings and necklaces and all those things. It, 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 can, often be a, it can often be an image of victory for us, but it's, it's never this, this image of exactly what it pertains to, which is a horrific death. Horrific shame, and yet God says there's glory in that for God. That God will be glorified in that. And even more so, he is going to be glorified because the judgment in the world, specifically the judgment of the evil one, the judgment brought upon this this prince of this world that, that is going around to steal, kill, and destroy, he's going to be driven out. Judgment of the devil by a death. And there when he speaks of being lifted up, it's the same word we use for being exalted, being being praised. And it, and it can pertain to a bunch of different things. It's, it's imagery that comes out of uh, Numbers 21, where Moses, there's, there's a plague that comes among the people. We talked about this back when we were looking at John 3 uh, quite a number of episodes ago. You'd have to go back and look. But, it, it, it's when there's a plague that, that breaks out among the people because they just continue to sin there as they're wandering in the wilderness back in Numbers. And Moses prays to God, and God tells him, make a bronze serpent, put it on a stick, raise it up. Anybody that looks at it will be healed, and they'll be protected. And, and back in John 3, it says, just as Moses raised up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. This, this image of looking to him, seeing him, on that cross, 
brings this this redemption to us, this rescue for us. And so here when he talks about being exalted, when he talks about being lifted up, in part he's talking about that. But there's also this picture of his ascension, his his lift his, his going up into glory to sit at the right hand of the Father. There taking a seat because his work is done for us. There being the right hand of the Father to bring victory, to bring power, to bring release for us. He does make it very clear that it's it's dealing with his death. He says this was to show the kind of death he was going to die, but also it shows this kind of victory that he actually does bring. And there's this call for us. As they start to question everything about, well, who is the Son of Man? They want him to talk more, and Jesus just says, you know what, my time's limited. You're only going to have the light for a little while longer. I'm only going to be around for a little bit longer here. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. That there's this call for us to trust in who Christ is. And we have to trust in this kind of Christ, this kind of Christ that is a Christ who seeks the cross, who pursues death in order that life might prevail, This kind of Christ in which the cross and the salvation of the world and the forgiveness of sins is forefront in what it is that he is going to do. And there's, there's this call for us then to walk in that. We want all these explanations. We want all these easy answers. We want all this theology that is able to be easily grasped and understood. And here Jesus says, no, I'm handing you life. I'm handing you the light. Please walk in it while I am still here. And after I am gone, you're going to need to continue to walk in it. And so our worship, church, becomes a continual need for death and resurrection, a continual need for Christ to come and remove from us all the things that get in the way of seeing this type of Jesus this Jesus bloodied on a cross, instead of a personal Jesus that we craft in our own image, the personal Jesus that we craft as as a political guru or or self-help guy or, or whatnot, we need a Jesus who comes to a cross for death for you. Needing to know what kind of Messiah this is and that we need one. And the light is actually Christ there to guide us and lead us to that cross for our own death, so that we might be raised to newness of life. And that should be the goal of any time we gather for worship and any time we open up the scriptures. Well, that's all we have for you today. I pray God's mercies and blessings to continue to be with you. Uh, We will be uh, concluding chapter 12 next week of John, and then we'll move right into John 13. I know this is taking a long time, but I think it's an important long time as we are going through this. But I pray God's blessings to be upon you this week. Again, if you have any questions or uh, anything like that, you can go on my website and send, uh, send me a message, and we'll take a look at it. Just go through the contact form. Otherwise, wherever you are listening to this, please go on there and give a review uh, so that we can know how things are how things are going, but also uh, uh, give us a rating so that there's a chance that other people might find this podcast. 
But with that, go with the blessings of God upon you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.